You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. This is uh, a continuation in this series of metaphors on Jesus. Um, and so we're talking today about Jesus as the way. Um, we live in an amazing time, not just because of the politics that are going on right now, believe me, but we live in, in uh, a, a really awesome time of life in America, uh, no matter where we go in the world, like these guys going uh, on short-term missions, whatever, uh, we start to realize that we really do live in a global village. I mean, we really are able to, uh, to see and hear and experience other cultures and, and other belief systems and all those kinds of things. And we really find that we live in a very multi-faith kind of society. And um, in that kind of society, a lot of times exclusive claims can offend people. Uh, when we start to talk about one way or another way, there are, there are many adherents to other faiths that, uh, that they are just not prepared to recognize Jesus other than maybe as a great teacher or a great prophet or a, a good leader or maybe a reformer. Um, um, but probably, and maybe even one of several ways to God, but not the way, not the only way. Um, and so we, we have to be careful. We don't want to be arrogant, um, but yet we have to be able to understand that, that we follow a Jesus who has made some things very clear to us. And so we need to be, as God's people, as followers of Christ, we need to be sure in our own mind that Jesus is the only way. Um, if he isn't, if, if our friends' religions and philosophies are equally uh, as valid a route to God, if you will, uh, then we just need to stop pestering them. We need to stop the dialogue. We need to stop uh, talking about this the way that we do and live and let live, all right? If, if, that, is, if that is the way it should be, then that's the way we should be living with them. Uh, yet, if he is, if he is the the only one way to God, then that puts us in a different position. And we need to be able to live out of that position. We need to be able to live out of that, that idea, this one-way journey, if you will. Um, in the midst of a lot of judgment and criticism and persecution and those kinds of things, which probably are only going to increase as our society becomes more and more and more pluralistic. And so I want us today to become very comfortable with the reality that we honestly and truly believe that there is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And uh, so we want to look at what he says here in this metaphor uh, this morning of the way um, and try to understand a little better what Jesus is, is saying to us. Um, we need to be able to communicate this uniqueness about Christ. Um, we don't want people to, we don't want them to leave us just thinking that he's just another option in like a pool of many possibilities. We've done no one a service if we do that. We've actually done them a disservice. So, so let's look at, at some of the things that, that might come up in a conversation when we start to talk about Jesus as the way. 
What does Jesus mean when he says that he is the way? There's a lot of sermons that have, have been preached about this, about this thing of following Jesus simply because he declares that he is the way. Um, but what exactly does that mean for you and I? What, is that, what does it mean to follow him if he is the way? It's, it's not as if, if he is some flesh and blood entity anymore leaving footprints for us to follow. He's not leaving a, a, a trail. I, I remember when I was a little boy, uh, one of my favorite shows, and it was a, 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 an ongoing uh, series in the day. It was in black and white, by the way. Well, all televisions were in black and white when I was a child. Um, and, uh, uh, but the show was Tarzan. Tarzan. Everybody, every kid my age loved Tarzan. And we all thought that he was just the greatest hero in the world. And, and we would sit and we would watch. And the, I mean, a, as cheesy and corny as it can get, those shows were. And yet we were glued to them. But there was always some guy in a safari hat and khakis. And he always had a machete. And he always had these guys around him. And they were always, you know, hacking at the jungle. Trying to make a way. Trying to, to make a trail if you would. And they were, they were the ones who were, were the ones who would find the, the treasure or they, you know, and they had all of these adversities along the way. And it, so it was this adventure. But sometimes, once in a while, someone would find a map and there would actually be all of these markings on this, this dumb little map. And it always, I don't know, they all used the same stamp because they stamped this strange X on every map, you know, and they were all identical uh, in every situation. But if you could just get to the X, if you could find your way to the X, there it was. You had it. You had everything, you know. It just me- meant everything. Well, Jesus isn't that way, all right? And, and, and the, we, what we have, we have the Scriptures, and the Scriptures tell us about Jesus, and, and all of this is about this Jesus who is saying, I am the way. And it's a metaphor. It's a very profound one, yes, but, but the word way here used in the New Testament, it's used uh, properly as a, as a road or a path traveled. As in, the three wise men traveled back another way. They used a route. They used a a, a particular course, if you will, to get to where they needed to go. But when we look at these scriptures and we see that Jesus is is not a literal road. He's not an actual path. He's not made of rocks and gravel and all that kind of stuff. But we are called to walk with him. And, and, and this metaphor has a lot of nuances to it, and, and they're, they're packed in the Scriptures, and I'm going to try to help us to unpack it just a little bit this morning. But the idea here of this word way, there are many references. They start way back uh, in, in the Old Testament, and I think Proverbs sort of sets the tone for us, where it says in, in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, the, the writer says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. And this is, I think this is, helps us to understand what Jesus is trying to say. There, there is a way in which we can live. There's a way in which we can follow. There's a way in which we can, can uh, wrap around our lives some understanding and some revelation that moves us. 
It moves us along in life. It gets us to where we are going. It gets us to a destination, if you will. That's not a literal X stamped on a map somewhere. But it is this idea of being more like Jesus. And understanding in that process that it is the only way. All right? I mean, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14, a little further down, says, Don't go the way of evil. In other words, there's, there's a right way to go and there is a wrong way to go. And so the intent is for us to understand where we are and where we need to get to. All right? So I think Jesus is trying to help the early disciples here to understand that there is a way for you to choose and there are ways that would be detrimental for you. There are ways that would not be helpful for you. So he is asking them to consider him as the only way. Now, it's interesting to note also as we study this that the first Christians were called followers, but they were followers of the way. Acts chapter 19 talks about these individuals who were following Jesus and they were referred to by others outside of their group as those of the way. All right. And, and, and when we think about that, we really are seeing this sort of kind of more earthy uh, following of Jesus. Um, it's a way of being in the world. Um, and there were things that marked these people that made them identifiable as those who were of the way. A lot of those were just very literal acts of love and kindness. They were involved in helping people within the community. It wasn't simply a matter of like believing what is right or believing the right things or, or an intellectual assent, but it was actually, the idea was really of one apprenticing themselves to Jesus. To really saying, you know what, I'm going to learn Jesus. I'm going to learn about Jesus. I'm going I'm to watch Jesus. I'm going to learn from him. And then I'm going to act in accordance with what I have learned. And I am going to be more and more like him. So faithfulness to Jesus involves this sort of discipleship kind of process of, of apprenticing ourselves uh, to all aspects of life in Christ. And so he does become the master. He does become the one who is the source of this life and truth that he also talks about that Jagger read to you, all right? And, and this, this, folks, has nothing to do with the, the kind of uh, works righteousness thing that, that you find preached in, 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 in some churches and some places. Uh, th- that's just really simply missing the whole point if that's the direction that we go off in. But it's really about... It, it, it's, it, it means that we are actually living in the world. We're, we're living between the resurrection and the coming of Jesus, if you will, and the judgment day. And it means that in that life that we're living, we're living in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that we are following this life of Jesus as the one and only example. Now, when you look at the context of this, it, it tells us that Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to go to the Father. And, and Jesus finishes by telling them that, that they know the way to where he is going, which is to the, the Father. But Thomas comes back here, and, and he's very, again, he's, he's very literal and very 
earthly thinking here. And he says, he says how, can we, how can we know the way if we don't know exactly where you are going? He wanted a place. He wanted something. And Jesus' response to Thomas is that he is the only way for men and women to go to the Father. So he's, he's bumping this up a level here. Uh, and, and he's saying, no one comes to the Father but by me. No, there's, there's just no other way. There's, there's no means to get there except for him. Now, as it said, historically, all roads may lead to Rome, but they don't lead to heaven. Not where God dwells. There's only one road. There's only one way that leads there. And it means that he is the only way to God. We can't earn our way to God. Uh, no one else can provide that way for you. Um, that, that's... That's the choice God has given us. Jesus or nothing. I remember as a small child, there was a lady who lived in our little community in South Georgia. And we were a very small, very impoverished little community. And so there were only a couple of people who were like quite wealthy. And of course, everyone knew them. And this one lady who was quite a treacherous woman had become quite wealthy, exploiting other people within the small community, uh, especially people that were were quite poor and, and didn't have things. And, uh, and, and it, she was known as being this, this very wealthy woman. And so when the local Methodist church decided to build a new building, they very much wanted to have a pipe organ inside of their church. Uh, but they could not afford that. The people who, who attended the church were not wealthy people and they could not afford that. And she drove up one day in her big car uh, to the church property and she announced to the leaders there uh, when she got out of her car in all of her array and she said, um, what y'all need to make this church nice? Everybody in town talks about this exchange, even to this day. What y'all need? To make this church nice. And the pastor said, well, we really had our hearts set on a pipe organ. How much is that going to cost you? And he threw out some figures. And she said, you come by my place tomorrow. I'll have you a check. You can buy your pipe organ. Turned around and got in her car. And she left. So there's all this scuttle that's going on in the little community because they don't know what to think of this. This woman's never darkened the door of a church and never declared that there was even a God, much less that she would give to one. And so they wonder the next day what's going to happen. And there are people out watching as the pastor and the chief elder are walking up the steps of her big white house. And they're looking to see what's going on. There were some people who actually thought that she would probably kill them. And they walked in and they, they stayed and they stayed and they stayed. And then suddenly they came out. And they walked back to the, the, the church. And, and people gathered and they said, what happened? She gave me a check. We've got the money. We can have a pipe organ. First Sunday of the new church with the pipe organ. Guess who walked in the church? She walked in before church and she said, I want to see that pipe organ that I bought. 
And uh, they took her up, and, and the lady played a song for her. Amazing Grace. Now, the ideal story would be that she melted and that she found Jesus and that everybody lived happily ever after and went to heaven. She looked at the preacher and said, Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate more that you allowed me the privilege to buy my room in heaven. I'll see you all. And she walked out the door never to darken the door again. Folks, there is only one way to Jesus. And there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus. And this is what he's trying to say here to these, these young disciples, these early followers in the church. Is there, there, it's almost like he's saying there will be all these ideas, there will be all these systems, there will be all these opportunities for people to try to figure out how they can come to my Father. But the reality is... I am the way, I am that truth, I am that life, and there is no other way to the Father but me. And so all this idea of earning and working and bartering and trading, it's out the window now, guys. We don't, we, we don't entertain that because he stands up and says, I am. This is one of the last of the I ams of John. And, and in that, that Greek language, this I am, is a very intense way of referring to oneself. It, it would be comparable to saying, I, myself, and only I am. In other words, I'm not one of several. I'm not one of a few. There isn't a, another. I don't have a twin brother. I am the only one. It is I. And so we, we have to come back to this reality that what the world is offering us and what the world is saying is right is really quite wrong. And we don't live in that kind of compromise. We don't live in that kind of place. When Jesus says, I am the way, what he means is he is the way that leads to the Father. He is the truth that teaches the knowledge of God. He is the truth that directs us in the way that we are to go. He is that life that, that animates all of us when we seek and we serve Him uh, and, and we experience Him, we come alive in Him. He is all of that. But initially, before the truth and the life, He says, I am the way. And we should like open our ears, so to speak, and hear back in Isaiah's uh, writings where it says, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over. This is Isaiah 35, verse 8. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. And so what we're seeing is there's a very narrow very narrow message here, and that is Jesus alone and no other. By this, it's meant that they and all the others who have access to God, they have so 
by obeying the instructions of Jesus, by imitating his example, by depending on on the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ alone and no other. He was the leader, if you will, on this road. He's the guide to that wandering soul. He's the the teacher of those people who are, are ignorant. He's the example to all of us. And he's the primary chief example that we follow. So then let's look at this a a few minutes and and let's see. What is it that that is about this way? What what is this? How is he this way? How, How can he do this? How can he make this claim? How can he say all of this? He is the way by his doctrine. By what he taught. In John chapter 6 verse 68 it says that Simon Peter answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? In other words, whom shall we follow? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, we don't have an option here. We don't have some other way to go. You are the one who has the words of eternal life. We come to you. So his doctrine, his teachings, his truth. He's the way by his example. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 21 says... For to this you have been called, you, you and I, we have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. In other words, you might follow the way in which he has gone. And so you look to him, you look to the path that he has shown you. I remember reading about a saxophone player um, many years ago, a very famous saxophone player, and he had gone over to Europe uh, to, to uh, do a concert, and he was in a hotel room uh, in England, and um, he was up in, in the room, and he went to the window and opened the window up, and he was, he was about to pray, and he just wanted fresh air in the room, he said, and so he, he opened the window, but as he opened the window, he was struck because it was uh, about dusk of the day, and he said that he noticed, and in those days there was not like electricity uh, and he, in that area. And so the lamps along the street were lit by gas. And so the lamp lighter would come along. And he had a long pole with, with uh, a, a little bit of fire on the end of it. And he would reach the pole up. And down at the base of the, the poles, uh, there were a, a, a little knob. And he could turn the gas on there. So he would put the, 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 the little light up with the the fire up high and he would turn it on and it would light the globe up and 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 as it lit up it would start to glow and the light would come out a little further and he said the amazing thing was he was just he was just amazed by this and he just kept watching and watching and he went along the street lighting the lamps until it's a very hilly little community and he went over the hill he said but the amazing thing was like when the lamp lighter was out of sight he said i still saw the glow and each time he lit one, he said, I saw the glow. And more and more. And he says, I realized that the lamplighter was lighting the way for the people of the community. And he said, I was struck by the Holy Spirit in that moment. He said, I fell to my knees by that window. And I said, oh God, please, let me be like Jesus. Let me be like the lamplighter who lights the way for those when he has gone on, they still know and see the way. And this is the life you and I have to live as well. And we have to understand that, that even though Jesus 
has died and is resurrected and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. He is still the way. And we are to be like Him. We are to follow this pathway that He has left for us through not only His doctrine, but His example as well. But also, He is the way by His sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 9, it's talking about the the, the early temple. um, And it says that these preparations having thus been made, the priest would go regularly into the first section of the tabernacle and, and, and perform our temple and perform their ritual duties. They would do what they had to do there. But in verse 7 it says, but into the second only the high priest goes and he only goes there once a year in that very holy of holy places and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. So he gets this one time a year to go into the Holy of Holies and he presents this sacrifice, if you will, this blood offering, if you will. Um, And it says in verse 8, by this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, which verse 9 says is symbolic for the present age. What is it saying? It's saying that Jesus is the better way. Jesus is better than the sacrifice of sin offerings. Jesus is a better way, if you will, for you and I. For he died. He became the sacrificial lamb. He died on the cross. And he was resurrected from the dead into eternal life. And that life is for you and I. But it comes only through this Jesus. And so his very sacrifice makes the way for you and I. And I think also that this way is, is by His Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, what He will guide you into all truth. Now Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. When the Spirit comes, He will guide you. He will lead you. He will direct your path, if you will. He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus said, I say nothing but what my Father said. What my Father has given me, that's what I speak to you. And the Spirit is saying the same thing. I'm not speaking on my own authority, but I'm declaring to you the things that are to come. What does that bring us to? It brings you and I to a place, I think, where we have to ask a question of ourselves. Are we people of the way? Now, you've got to do that individually. Are you a person of the way? And are you willing to pay that price to be that person of the way? But not only that, are we? Are we Life Church people of the way? Are you in whatever groups or, or spheres of influence you are in? Are you there people of the way? Are you making a difference, making an impact in the community in which you are functioning and where you have uh, certain levels of influence? In Acts chapter 9, verse 2, they're talking about the Apostle Paul. And it says that he asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And we obviously know that the intent of the Apostle Paul in asking for this permission to be able to bring these people of the way into Jerusalem was in order that they may be stoned, that they may die. To be people of the way, the early church understood that it could cost them their lives. 
They understood that there was a huge price to pay. And yet they were, they were willing to be known as, as the way, people of the way. And the scriptures tell us very clearly in Acts 9 that Saul of Tarsus persecuted these people and killed them. In Acts chapter 19, it talks about others who spoke evil of the way and persecuted the way. And at Ephesus, you just read through the book of Acts. At Ephesus, there was a riot about the people of the way. And eventually, Saul, who became Paul, confessed his worship of this God according to the way. We don't use that expression today. Well, matter of fact, there have been a few who have, and they were cults. And so it, it seems to have a negative connotation today. So we don't tend to call ourselves that. But, but w- let's understand where, where it came from, all right? The, sort of the probable origins of this so we understand what it is. It's not always a familiar term to you and I, but it has such strong implications. Jesus taught in Matthew 7 about two different ways, the broad way and the narrow way. And the broad way, he says, leads to destruction. The, the narrow way leads to Life And Jesus claims that life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right? He is the way to this truth. He is the way to this life. And He is the only way to the Father, according to John 14. And it seems very likely that that in the way that Jesus presents this and talks about this and the kind of statements He's making here, that, that this is where this idea of the way begins. Simon Kiestemaker says that the way is the teaching of the gospel. The Christian conduct that directs us and guides us by the gospel. It's the, it's the Christian community in general that, that moves us and shapes us. It is the way. W.A. Ewell says that it connotes something of the way of salvation. Acts chapter 16, verse 17, speaks of a slave girl with a spirit. She says that, it says that she follows Paul, and she starts to cry out. And she says, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Has anyone ever, like, made reference to you as someone who proclaims the salvation of God. I hear, I hear all of you talk and engage one another and you say delightful things about each other. Lovely things about each other. And we, we, we like to do that in church, don't we? We like to affirm one another. We like to empower one another. We like to say niceties about each other um, most of the time. But, you know, I, I never really hear us a lot talk about the real identifiers of us as evangelists, as uh, witnesses, as followers. And, and I, I'm not picking on anybody here, okay? But if... If I said the name Vicki Knutson, what would most of you say? Jagger, what would you say? 
Yeah, don't shake your head, no. You know what you would say, Jagger? You would say banana bread. <laughs> right? Yeah, I would too. Because on Monday mornings, I go in the kitchen to see if there's any banana bread left. You know, there might be a piece left, and it would be great with my coffee. You know? If, if I said, Brianna Birkeland... What would, you, what would you think? Oh, she's that feisty Augie student. That, that would go anywhere, anytime. She's not afraid. You know? Which is great. It's great. I could, I could go on, but we better not because I'll get in trouble. But <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people introduce me if I'm a guest speaker somewhere. I do a lot of prayer ministry in the city. Like I, I do this thing of gathering this, the city together to pray. And about every three months we have a, a, a prayer gathering at some facility in, in the city. And, and I get pastors and leaders to come and pray there. Uh, and a lot of times those people talk about me. And uh, you know what? Unfortunately, they don't say, oh, Pastor Bill, you know, every, if you get around him, you're going to hear the gospel. They say, oh, I just love to hear Pastor Bill talk. I love that southern drawl. Well, I mean, I can use that to my advantage, but that's really, I mean, if all people remember is that he has a southern drawl, that's really not very effective. Okay? You know, I mean, I would much rather them say, well, he shared the gospel and he, he talks funny. You know? At least let's... let's what, what, what am I trying to say to you? I'm trying to say that could we be more marked? Could we be more etched in our society and in our spheres of influence? And could people begin to understand that we are the people that follow Jesus? And, and that that is indeed a narrow place. And can we be comfortable with suddenly being called narrow Could, could we let the way of salvation mark us in such a way that people know that when they get around us, they just might hear about this salvation message. They're likely going to hear about it. I remember when we first went to Brazil with, with Emerson and Carini, we went in schools. We went in school after school after school after school, and we loved it. It was fabulous. We had such a great time in the schools. And we would first meet the, the sort of headmaster or the administrator of the school. And it was amazing because they would say, no dogma, no dogma. In other words, don't talk about Jesus, especially about Jesus the only way, the resurrection. No dogma. You know. And we would go in and we would talk about Jesus. <laughs> the only way. And when we were done, the same people would come and say, Oh, that was fabulous. That was what, just what we needed. Please come back again. Please come back again. And we weren't trying to, to disrespect or disregard the authority that was there in the school system, but it, it, it was said on one level, but the reality was they knew what they needed and, and they let us bring it in. They let us bring it forth. Now we could have said, oh, 
we better be careful. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to, you know, mess up. And, and we, we could have left without ever sharing the gospel. Now, I'm not by any way advocating that that is, is the way to do short-term missions everywhere you go. It's not, okay? God gave us a unique open door that we understood and discerned, and we caught on. We caught on to what was going on there, and we were able to do it. But what I'm saying is, let's not miss opportunities. Let's not miss the open door, if you will, to share this way, which is Jesus. And let's be faithful in those opportunities, all right? Not only is he the way of salvation, but he's the true way of God. Apollos was this amazing Jew who, who was ready to speak. And, and the reference to him in Acts chapter 18 is that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began, the Bible says in verse 26 there, to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God even more accurately. And he became, he he was a great voice. For Christ. Now, another writer, J.B. Polhill, suggests that this idea of the way reflects a very early sort of self-designation of the Jewish Christian community in which they saw themselves as the true way, meaning that they were, they were the true followers of Christ within the context of a larger Jewish community. And we may do as well. Because there are churches today that are becoming more and more pluralistic and, and more tolerant and more accepting and more open of other ways. And you and I cannot walk that path if we are of the way, which is Jesus. We, we can't do it, folks. We, we have to live in this place where much like Paul before Felix in Caesarea, he says, I confess this to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing. Paul saying, I, I know that there's talk about the way. I know that we're called a sect. But in this sect, I worship the God of our fathers, and I believe the law, and I believe the, the written prophets, and I have a hope in God. But he's saying that hope is in Jesus. That hope is in Jesus. And that's, that's where Paul chose to stand, is in that place. Though it cost him everything, he stood. There are many other things that we can say about this, but I want to kind of wrap this up here with you this morning. Jesus is the way of prayer. Jesus is the way of service. You can see this throughout the scriptures. This is the way of, Jesus is the way of suffering. Jesus is the way of glory. Uh, all of these things are, are important things to, to study and, and to see throughout the scriptures. But here's what I, I want to bring us down to. We, we may not refer to ourselves as the people of the way. 
And there are other designations that are just as scriptural that we can use to describe who we are. And in some situations, it's probably not the wisest to say that we are of the way, all right? Um, But I don't think that we should ever stop thinking of Jesus as the way, the way to God, the way to God's manifest glory, the way to truth and to life, the way to prayer, the way to service, the way to suffering, uh, all of these things. I, I, I think such things are Jesus, and they will always be a part of Jesus, and He is the only way. So let's, let, me, let me try to wrap this up for you this morning. And, and I want to use Eugene Peterson's writing as a, as, as a closure here this morning. Um, he wrote a book called The Jesus Way, and I think it's quite a decent book. Um, but he says that the intent is to encourage Christians to, to attend not only to the truth and the life. And, and, and part of his idea here in, the, in writing the book is that we are quick to go to, to, to positioning ourselves or setting ourselves or standing ourselves on the truth. And we're very willing to debate it and argue it and, and, and just, just wrestle with the truth. And, and, and we're okay with going to, to proclamations about the life and the abundant life that we have in Jesus. He says, but a lot of Christians do not center and focus on Jesus' saying or claim that He is the way. And he explains this by saying what, what he believes is the way is often followed by North American Christians based on a very consumer-driven kind of church. And that makes it very difficult to align ourselves with this Jesus of the way. Because this way calls us. This way draws us into a lifestyle. And, and, and Jesus as the truth gets far more attention, he says, than Jesus as the way. And he says it's, it's so bad to the point that oftentimes Christians will evade this metaphor. They don't like to use this metaphor. And that it doesn't get preached as much anymore. He goes on to say that a Christian congregation has to be seen as the church in your neighborhood. Now, that's always been the primary location for getting the, the way, understanding the way, and the truth and the life of Jesus. And all of that is embodied in the, in the places and the people with whom we have the most interaction day in and day out. And that there is more to the church than even just this local congregation. We understand that, obviously. There, there's the church continuous throughout the centuries. Our, our fathers and our mothers who continue to, to influence and teach us through their writings. There's, there's a church that's spread out through the world that we heard about today. And that we're going to hear about next Sunday and, and, and tonight. Uh, there, there's there's the, the, the church invisible that does the work in the earth. There's the church triumphant, the great cloud of witnesses that continue to surround us that Hebrews talks about. I understand all of that. But, but I resonate with Eugene Peterson here 
in this idea that the local congregation is the place where we get all this integrated and practiced uh, experience of walking in the way among men and women like us, of like faith, where we are growing, where it becomes local and it becomes personal. And I believe that this local congregation is this, this place and this community for you and I listening to and obeying the commands of Christ. For, for us to be able to invite each other to consider responding to the invitations of Jesus to follow me. It's a place of, of community where we are worshiping God together. These are very, very important pieces of this, all right? The local congregation is the, the primary place for, for dealing with the, the particulars of the people that, that we live with. And, and it's, it's very much created by the Spirit. It's very much sustained by the Holy Spirit. Um, it, but it's very local and it's very personal. But unfortunately, the more popular American church and all of its strategies to grow and increase take away from this idea of being a body of people who are personal. And, and it erodes this sort of personal intimacy that we need to have. And folks, the last thing that the church needs to do is, is take the place of Jesus as the way. The church needs to be that that incubator, if you will. It needs to be that place where we are able to grow and we're able to flourish. And we need to do that together. And there are many different ways to do that in the, in the body and outside in, in other, other areas. That just, but, but I want you to understand that we... We are a company of praying men and women who gather. We usually gather on Sundays for worship. But we, we're going into this world as salt and light. God's Holy Spirit is calling us. Um, and, and, and He informs us and forms us to be more like Jesus. And, 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 and God means to do something with us. And He means to do it in community. We are, we are in on what God is doing. And we're in it together. And we need to stay there. We need to stay in that, if you will. I know Dave and I just, we, we, we badger you about life groups because we just, we believe in this. We believe that this is the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in this kind of fellowship and this kind of community together. That is the intent of God for you and I. That's why it's so, so important to us and why we push it so much. It's because we believe in it. And you know what? It's working. Life groups are growing. There, matter of fact, all the life groups that we have now have grown to the point that we're probably going to have to add a couple of more life groups in, in life church. So we have room for others to come into them. But what we're seeing happen is we're seeing people becoming more like Jesus. And me preaching this to you is not enough, folks. You are going to have to align yourself with others in the body and become relational in the context of the body so that we might go this way together. We need this fellowship with one another. We need this interaction with one another. We need to be speaking this life to one another because this is the place where we are going to change. 
And I know there are some of us that would love to just cuddle up with a book of the Bible and get in a corner somewhere on a rainy day and just read and not talk to anybody. I get that. I understand that. But you and I are going to have to be intentional people to be people of the way. And not only for ourselves, but for those who come after us. And we're going to have to be constantly making that way. Just as Eugene says, it is absolutely essential. God is requiring more of us as his people. I want to pray for you. And then Christina's going to come and share the gospel with you this morning. All right? Father, you've wanted so much to be relational to the point that you gave your own son, Jesus, to come and die for our sins, to reconcile us to you. Your intent is that we would be people of faith, but also of fellowship. That we would walk this way together, that we would, we would be there for one another to encourage each other, to help each other, to spur one another on in love. Help us, God, that even this day we would, we would see that to, to get to you, there is only one way, and that is Jesus, and that we would commit to walking in that way and patterning our, patterning our lives after this Jesus and growing and maturing and discipling to be your people, to serve you in this neighborhood, in this community, in this world, and to do that in such a way that we bring this message of Jesus to a, a broken world. Let us be the people who have been taken by Christ and blessed and, and broken and distributed out into this community and we become those who are the witness and the service and the justice and the healing of the people around us, Lord. That is not the American way, but Lord, Lord, we are asking to be the Jesus way. And so we ask you to help us that as you require more of us that we are willing to say yes to everything that you ask of us. In Jesus' name, amen.